Well, I told the last service that um, it is an absolute privilege to be able to communicate to you guys this morning, to be able to stand up here and speak. And as I was thinking about that this week, just how thankful I was for this opportunity that God's given me and that, that Pastor Jordan has trusted me with, I was just reminded of how great an opportunity it is just to be involved in this, this movement of God at all. As that second song says, this is a move. And um, it's just amazing to be a part of this. And, and there's people that, that go their whole lives and they never much less hear about something like this, but much less be a part of it. And I think that's an amazing thing, and I'm thankful for this opportunity. I'm thankful for our leadership, for just the people of this church, and um, it's just so cool. I'm thankful for you guys. I love you guys, and I'm, I'm definitely thankful for our pastor, Pastor Jordan. Um, I know him better than a lot of people. Um, he's one of my best friends, and uh, just to see the man that he is off the stage is honestly more impressive than the man he is on the stage, and that's what uh, I'm thankful for that. So can we give him a hand this morning? And um, I do believe this morning we have a word from the Lord. I, I was talking to Pastor Jordan this week, and I was like, man, I feel so convicted about this over the last couple of weeks and the way God's used it in my life. I'm not even sure if it's for our church or if it's just for me. And um, as, after some prayer and speaking with him about it, I believe that it's for our church this morning. And um, thank God that, that he speaks, because if you get my knowledge this morning, we'd be done already. So it's not a lot. <laughs> so uh, I'm thankful for his word, thankful that he speaks. And uh, we're going to talk this morning about getting in a fight. As that song says, fighting our battles. We're going to get into scripture, into a story. And um, I told the last service too, a little disclaimer. Um, this is not my, my comfort zone, so um, I may go through things a little quick. You're going to have to keep up. And uh, I, I move a lot. I try to calm it down for the camera team a little bit. They're like, man, we're having a hard time chasing you around up there. And uh, so I'm going to try my best. And another thing, too, I'm just going to be honest. My mom already got on to me about it. I say things like freaking crap. I said screwing around last time. She didn't like that. So well, here's the thing. Here's the good news is you don't have to send anybody an email about it because she's going to let me know. She's got a list back there. She's like, well, you said crap twice and uh, freaking once. And <laughs> I'm like, all right. So I'm working on it, you know, work in progress. I'm going to try my best, but just go ahead and know that's probably going to come out. And I think that um, I believe God's going to speak to us this morning. I believe that he's going to convict us and work in our lives. But I also believe church can be fun. So uh, if you want to laugh a little bit or smile or not look like you're going to a funeral, that's okay. And if you're wondering, you look around, you're like, why? Yeah, amen. If you're wondering why the lights are down, the last time I spoke, I got up here and I was like, man, I was fully unprepared for how like dead people look. Like, like the people would be like the whole time. And I'm like, man, this is tough. So I told Kendrick, I'm like, pull the lights down. I can't look at them. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not prepared. So I got John and Jen up here. I'm going to look at them. I'll be preaching to y'all this morning. They'll laugh at my jokes. They'll think I'm funny, even though I'm not. My wife's like, I don't know why people think you're funny. You are not funny at all. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But, uh, but anyway, so we're going to have some fun this morning, but I do believe again, God's going to speak. So um, we're going to get into the word. But before we do, I want to ask you a question this morning. And before you answer, let me finish. So I want to know in this place today, who we're dealing with, who has ever been in a fight? Now, I'm not talking about like what you and your wife did on the way to church and or you smacking your kid on the way to church this morning and all that stuff. I'm talking about like maybe it's with a sibling. Maybe it was like with somebody in a bar back in another time or maybe last night. Who knows? <laughs> At pursuit, you never know. Uh, so but who has ever been in like an actual physical fight? Raise your hand this morning. Jen. <laughs> 
man, I just feel like I don't know you. <laughs> Another time, no, I'm not surprised. And, and I'm fully aware that Jen probably beat the crap out of whoever that was. Like, that's probably reality. John knows that too. That's, that's real life. All right, so I kind of figured that a lot of hands would go up, and I was right. So we've, we've been in a lot of fights this morning. But I want to talk today about getting in a fight biblically. And I want to talk about, there's a story in the Bible, not a very well-known story, called David and Goliath. I'm uh, swinging for the fences this morning. I think, I think God was like, man, this, this boy is dumb, so I'm going to give him something easy. David and Goliath, here it is. <laughs> this is a slow one. You can swing and hit this one. <laughs> so uh, we'll get into the Word. We're going to talk about David and Goliath. And uh, I want to look at this story kind of from a little bit of different point of view. Uh, I, I've heard this story my whole life. I grew up in church and, and you know, Bible school, Sunday school, whatever kind of school they all had. And um, so I've heard this story my whole life. But as I was reading it, actually, Pastor Jordan was preaching on it one Sunday, and I felt like God was speaking to me. I've, I'd heard it three times already, so I was kind of in my own little world zoned out over there. Sorry, Pastor Jordan. But um, I was, God spoke to me kind of in a different way about this scripture. And um, it was during the third service. I was reading it and just kind of looking at some scripture as he was preaching and um, I want to look at a couple of different people in this story. But if you haven't heard the story or just let me refresh your memory this morning, I'll give it to you in my two-minute kind of condensed version. And uh, I told the last service to this is 92% correct. So read it for yourselves. Get the real word. Um, but basically, we got David, who is a shepherd boy, right? And um, we all kind of know that David, you know, he was anointed king early on in life. And, and Pastor Jordan preached on this a, a few weeks back. I thought it was awesome. But he was anointed king early on in life. And um, he was at a young age. And Saul had basically turned from God, and, and God said, I'm going to anoint a new king. So he sends Samuel out to the house of Jesse. And Samuel goes, and, and when he gets to the house of Jesse, he tries to anoint basically every other brother that David had other than David. David wasn't even there. But, but God says, no, I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. So he goes, Jesse goes and gets to David. They anoint him king. And then he goes back to the pasture. So uh, he's in the pasture. And, and later on in the story, uh, Jesse comes to David, his dad, and he's like, hey, your brothers are at war. They're out fighting with the Philistines. We got the Israelites on one hill, the, the Philistines on the other, and all throughout Scripture, they would battle. But so David's like, or Jesse's like, David, go out, take them some food. He goes out, takes them some cheese, which is exactly what you want when you're fighting. It's like, man, I've been fighting all day. I would just, I just got killed for some cheese this morning. <laughs> so he takes them some cheese, and uh, they're, kinda, they're out there kind of in a standoff. And I was thinking this morning, it's kind of like whenever, if you've ever like almost been in a fight, if you're like me, who's kind of mouthy in school, but you really didn't have anything to back it up. Somebody says something, you're like, say that again, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. And they say it, and then you're like, one more time, you're going to get it. And they say it again, you're like, listen, I'm gracious. The next time you say that, you're getting it. That's kind of how they were. They're on the hill. They're not really doing anything. They're kind of in a standoff, like, who's, you know, what's, what's going to happen here? So they're out there kind of doing their thing. Uh, David comes out. He has the food for him and has their cheese platter. He comes out and he's talking to his brothers and um, this giant steps out on the battlefield and the giant comes out and he starts running his mouth, talking about God, talking about the armies, talking about Israel, talking about their moms, just running his mouth. And um, so he comes out there and is doing that. And David's like, what the heck, guys? Like, is nobody going to kill? Like, is nobody hearing this? Is nobody going to kill this giant? And they're like, nah, he's been doing this for 40 days. And I feel like David was like, 40 days? Y'all have let this guy run his mouth, this big dumb giant out there talking about my God. And he's out there running his mouth, and y'all ain't going to kill him. 
So David's like, I'll go kill him. So David goes, and um, Saul's like, I'll put my armor on you. You can go out there and fight him. David puts the armor on, takes it off. He's like, no thanks, I don't need that. Um, I'm going to fight with my sling and stone. Goes out there, kills the giant. My favorite part is he cuts his head off with his own sword, carries the head around like a trophy, kind of nasty, kind of a bad picture, but it's kind of cool at the same time. You know, you're like, man, David's kind of weird for carrying the head around. Then you're like, man, that's kind of cool at the same time. So he's carrying the head around, and... Um, Long story short, this puts David basically in a position in the palace, right? This puts him in a position where he's serving alongside of King Saul. And ultimately, after years and years of basically fighting with King Saul, or King Saul uh, trying to kill him, uh, he, he becomes king. And we all love this story. It's, it's a great story. And um, it's kind of inspiring. I've heard it preached a lot of different ways. But I want to look at a couple of different people in this story that don't get talked about a whole lot. And... Um, I'm going to talk about Eliab, David's brother, his older brother that's out there. And I'm going to talk about David in kind of a unique way in kind of two parts. So Eliab, David's brother, we'll start with him. So when David comes out there, Eliab's standing there um, ready to fight, right? He's in his uh, uniform and his uh, gear, whatever, his armor. And um, he's standing there. He's kind of ready to fight. He looks like a fighter. Scripture tells us that when Samuel goes out to anoint David king, that he sees Eliab and he's like, that's the guy. Like, like the, he surely, he says, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. He's like, man, he looks like a king. He's muscular. He's got good hair. He's got, he just looks nice. Like, he just looks like he should be a king. I told the, them the last service, I was like, probably looks like our worship leader, Daniel, if you guys know him. Some of the women are like, oh, yeah, I know Daniel. All right. You got that? Some of you are like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I love the way he leads. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, <laughs> but I told them that I told our band, I'm like, man, with him and Thomas up here, I feel like I'm like, like I don't feel like I'm super like short. I know I'm kind of scrawny, but I just feel like a little wimp. Like when they're leading worship, I'm like, man, I'm the tiniest guy ever. But uh, I feel like that's what he looks like. Just nice, like like very well kept, like just a good looking guy, muscular, ripped up, just in shape, fit. And uh, uh, Samuel sees him as like, surely, surely that's the king right there. And God's like, no, I don't, I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. But we see this guy who's the oldest brother. He's older than David by, by a good bit based on the family line. And um, he looks like he should be a fighter. He looks like a warrior. But we see him. What bothers me is when we come uh, to the scripture and we see that he is supposed to be fighting uh, the, the Philistines and this giant comes out. And this guy who looks like a fighter, who talks like a fighter, who, who has his armor on, who has all this stuff, he's just kind of standing there. And I'm like, why is this guy that's supposed to be, you know, in the army. He looks like a fighter. He got the muscles to do it. He could go out there and kill this giant. Why is he just standing there? And the thing that God spoke to me, and I believe that he wants to speak to you first thing this morning, is that a lot of us, man, we look just like that, right? Like, like when it comes to the things in life that matters the most, when it comes to fighting for our family, when it comes to fighting for our kids and for our marriage and for our purpose, and when it comes to fighting things in our life that, that matter the most, we stand there leaning on our sword doing nothing. We're passive. And that's how Eliab was. He was just standing by watching day after day after day after day as this giant would come out and talk about his God. He just stands there. And so many of us today, especially in the modern church, man, that sums up our life. Maybe not in every area, but in a lot of areas. When it comes to fighting for the things that matter, we're just standing back, leaning on our sword, looking like a fighter. Man, I go to church. 
I put up Christian posts, obviously, clearly between my either love or pure hatred for Trump. I got to put that stuff on Facebook too, because that's so important that you do that. Um, but I put up the sermon clips. I do all that stuff. I, I, I wear a Christian t-shirt. I, I do the whole thing. I come to Bible study. I look like a warrior. I look like I should be fighting. But when it comes to really fighting for the things that matter most, you're just sitting on the sidelines, passive. And God showed me when there's areas in my life where I'm just like Eliab. I stand by and don't really fight for what matters. And a lot of us, man, I've, I've been this in my life too. Just like Eliab, we like to run our mouth. And we ain't going to fight, but we're going to stand back like Eliab did to David. He told David, go back to your sheep. Go back to your little flock. As Pastor Jordan said, get the flock out of here. I think that's, that's classic church joke. I love it. Every time it makes, my, makes me laugh anyway. And uh, he's like, go back to your little, your little flock of sheep. Get out of here. We don't need you. He starts talking junk to them. You're at the wrong place. This is not for you. This is for big boys. Go back. He ain't going to fight, but he's going to discourage David from fighting. And so many times in the church, this has drove me crazy my whole entire life about church, is that we'll sit back and won't do anything, but we've got an opinion about everybody who is. Everybody in here has got an opinion on how Pastor Jordan should lead this church, and you have no problem voicing that. Some of you have no problem telling, saying, you know, if I was Pastor Jordan, this is the way I'd do things. If I was Pastor Jordan, this is what I'd do. If I was this, if I was that, you have no problem running your mouth. But when it comes to actually getting in the fight yourself, you sit by and do nothing. You have no problem telling, or telling people how Terry Broom should run women's ministries. One of my favorites, I've heard this time and again. Here's what somebody will come up and say, well, the church is just too big. I just can't stay here anymore. It's just too big. A thousand people is just too many. I just don't know. I just don't know what the, what the deal is. This is too big. Okay, why don't you go to connect with women's ministries? It's like, ah, oh, no, I can't, I can't do that. It's, it's just too clickish in there. I'm like, okay, Susan, let me just tell you. I don't know who Susan is. If your name's Susan, I'm sorry. It's like, all right, Susan. I apologize. This is not to anybody. I just picked a random name. It's like, okay, Susan, let me just tell you. So the church is too big, but the small groups are too small. Yep, that's right. Okay, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. So what do you want? She's like, well, Terry just needs to do it this way and that way. I'm like, oh, the small groups are kind of about 8 to 12 people. They're like, yeah, I'm like, oh, kind of like the disciples. That sounds like familiar. But anyway, we're, it's crap like that. We, we have an opinion about everything. Well, I, this is the way Terry should run women's ministry. This is the way Pastor John should run student ministry. She shouldn't have that rap music down there. I'll tell you that right now. That rap music, that's what they play at the pits of hell. That's when, whenever you go to hell in your handbasket, some of y'all say, that's what they play is rap music. Even if it's Christian rap music, that's what they're playing down there. It's terrible, horrible. And like everybody's got an opinion. This is how Pastor John should do things. This is how he should run our uh, student ministries. This is the way things should work. You get what I'm saying? We, we all have an opinion. We have no problem voicing that. And some of that's funny, but some of it's reality. And some of it is exactly why people hate the church. It's like when you don't have kids and you're sitting at a restaurant. I was reminded this week, about when I didn't have kids, and me and my wife were pregnant. When my wife was pregnant, people say me and my wife. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. But my wife was pregnant with our firstborn, and uh, we're sitting in a restaurant, and this kid um, is going nuts, right? Like there's a kid a couple booths over just going crazy. And uh, I have no patience. I'm working on it. Well, God's working on it. I've been praying a lot about it. And I'm like, man, that kid just needs to shut up. I'm like, I'm like don't he know this is Cracker Barrel? This is a fine establishment. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Like, act like that in Cracker Barrel. Who does he think he is? So I'm like, man, that kid needs to shut up. And here's what's crap we say. Tell you what, if that's my kid, he wouldn't do that but once. You know? I'm like, you know, we were a big talker. He wouldn't do that but once of me. 
You know, I'd wear that little hind end out. I'd tear him up. <laughs> you know, I'd take him outside. I'd give him that look. He wouldn't do that. But once the parents are trying to give him a cell phone and a food and suckers and all this stuff and trying to, you know, give him his inheritance early just to get him to be quiet. You know, some of us have been there. It's like anything and every. What, what do I have to do to get you to be quiet so I can enjoy my pancakes? And I'm sitting there judging them. But now I got kids. And we went to Cracker Barrel a couple weeks ago. And uh, we're sitting there. I got a kid. One of my sons. Is uh, he's about 20 months. I think my wife said this morning, I got one that's three months. So my, my boy Clayton, we're sitting there eating and uh, trying to eat, and he's flipping out. He's finished with his food. He's just flipping out. So I'm like, I'm the guy. I'm like, give him a cell phone. Give him, give him the suckers. Give him the money. How much money do I have to give you? What do I have to give you to get you to be quiet? I'm giving him crayons, and he eats them. So, so one thing you have to know about my boy, I call him Clayton because he's kind of chunky, right? He's tons of fun. He really is. I love him. He'll eat anything. So he's like, he's like a little goat. So he's eating the crayons. My wife's freaking out. I'm like, honey, whatever we got to do to get this boy to shut up, let him eat the crayons. You know, like, just don't give him the red ones. I feel like they're worse, you know? Just, <laughs> just he's fine, right? So that's, you know, but it's easy. In all seriousness, it's easy when you're not in a fight, when you're not fighting, to say, well, if I was them, that's what I would do thing. This is the way I would do it. If I was Pastor Jordan, if I was Terry, if I was John, if I was whoever, if you were me, if, if I had those kids, if I had this, if I had that, that's, that's a lot of times we're like Eliad. We just sit back. We don't do anything ourselves, but we got an opinion about everything else, right? And maybe you, maybe you don't have an opinion. Maybe you don't run your mouth. Maybe you keep things to yourself. But in a lot of areas, you can relate. If you're honest with yourself, you can relate with Eliab. I know I should be fighting, but when it comes to the things that matter most, I'm kind of passive. I'm kind of just hanging out, sitting on my sword, not really doing anything. And I think the problem is we don't know how to actually fight. We really don't know how, how do I fight. Eliab's like, man, I, I don't know how to kill this giant. I feel like it's an opportunity. I feel like I should kill him, but I really don't know how. But David knew how to kill him. And a lot of us can relate with that. We're just kind of passive. There's another person in the story that I want to look at. This is David, part one. And you see David, he comes before Saul. He's like, man, I'll kill that giant. And Saul finally is like, all right, man, well, where nobody else is doing anything. We may as well give you a shot. So he's like, I'll kill that giant. And, and Saul's like, all right, well, wear my armor. So David, for whatever reason, I don't understand, he puts on Saul's armor. And he's kind of standing there, and he's, it's, it doesn't fit right. It doesn't feel right. And it just, something's weird about it. And he's got the sword, and he's like, man, this is just not right. I hadn't, he said, I hadn't trained in this, is what Scripture tells us. So he takes the armor off, and he goes out, and he's like, man, I fought with, with a slingshot. I don't fight with a sword. So he goes out, and he kills the giant. But so many of us, we stop before we get to that point. We stay in Saul's armor. We realize, man, when it comes to things like my marriage, I need to be fighting for my marriage. But we fight for it in the wrong ways. We fight for it in somebody else's armor. We try to fight for our marriage with a sword, and God's called us to fight with it with a slingshot, right? Like, we're trying to fight God's fights in the world's ways. We're trying to fight for our purpose, but we're doing it in somebody else's armor. We're trying to do what everybody else tells us is success. Instead of going to Scripture, we're going to somebody else. Well, this is what so-and-so does. This is what the, the motivational speaker I listen to. This is what the people I follow on Instagram, they say more money's better. So, so that's what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to chase more money. That must be it. We're wearing somebody else's armor. When it comes to our kids, I'm all for discipline. My little kids are like, it's like they're in the army. My wife's got these schedules and all this stuff. I'm all for all that stuff. But when it comes to fighting for them, and, and as the Bible says, training them up in the way they should go, 
We're doing it the way we see other people do it. We're raising our kids some other way. We're raising our kids the way we see in, in books and all this stuff. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but we're trying to fight the right battle. We're just trying to fight it the wrong way. And so many of us can relate. I can see so many things in my life where that I'm trying to fight, but I'm fighting the right fight in the wrong way. And so many of you can relate to that. So we got Eliab, who's standing back passive, doing nothing. He's just standing back, leaning on his sword, chilling out, looks like a fighter, acts like a fighter, running his mouth, but doing nothing. He's passive. Then you got David, part one, who he's trying to fight. He's, he's, he knows he should kill the giant. He knows he should take opportunity. He knows he should get in the, the battle, but he's just, he, he's just doing it in somebody else's armor. He's trying to do it in the wrong way. And I believe that sums up pretty much most people. And I can see myself in all of this, right? Like I can, if you're honest, I feel like a lot of you would say that too. Like I know when it comes to my finances, so many times I'm trying to, I'm fighting the right battle. I want to I be wise in my finances, but I'm doing it somebody else's way. I'm doing it the world's way. I'm not going to scripture and saying, what does scripture say about how I should run my finances? I'm fighting it by, based off what I see on Instagram, what I see on Facebook, what I read about. I'm trying to fight the right battle, but do it the wrong way. And a lot of us are in that position this morning. So what it comes down to is, the question that comes up is, how do I fight? When it comes to fighting these battles and fighting for what matters most in life, how do I fight the battles? How do I fight and win? Man, I love this scripture. It's in, when Paul's uh, writing to Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race. He said, man, I got a crown waiting on me. He's at the end of his life and he looks back over his life and he says, I fought the good fight. I can go home and be with my Savior because I fought the good fight. I've run the race that he laid out for me. I, I've won, right? Like God used me. I did what God called me to do. And when I get to heaven, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Who wouldn't want that in life? Like who wouldn't want God to say that about them? Well done. Who wouldn't want to look back over their life and say, man, I fought the good fight. I did things right. I did things God way. When it comes to fighting for my family and my marriage, I fought for it in the right way, and, and, and it was fruitful. My marriage was fruitful. I think so many of us, God reminded me, showed me this this week, not reminded me, showed me for the first time. I think most of us, we don't even realize how great our marriage could be. We have no idea. I've only been married a few years, so i got a lot to learn. But I'm telling you something. I think so many of us, we don't realize how great things could really, really be. We don't realize how, how great our relationship with our children could be. We don't realize how great just in general our life could be living out our purpose for Jesus Christ because we don't know how to fight. And you look at David's life, and he, he shows us, he lays out how he defeats Goliath, how he wins the fight. And I don't believe God showed me this week that, that David, he didn't win the fight on the battlefield. He didn't win the fight when he got before Goliath. The battle had been won already before. He didn't fight. When he slung the rock, that wasn't him winning. The way David won the fight, the way David fought the battle was in the pasture. The way David fought the battle was standing before God Almighty, worshiping Him, praising Him, spending time in His presence, spending time getting to know God. The Bible says he was a man after the heart of God. David knew how to fight battles and he knew he fought in the presence of the Lord and because he fought in the presence of the Lord, spending time with him, chasing after him, going after God, whenever it came to killing the giant, he was ready because he knew how to fight. Any great athlete knows you don't win on game day. Tom Brady, I've, I've watched some things with him, love him or hate him, he's a great athlete. 
I've watched some things on him that even on, in vacation time, he trains. Even in vac- on vacation, he brings his trainer and he spends time training on vacation. So when game day comes, he's operating out of instinct. He's doing his thing. David knew that, man. If I want to win this battle, it's not one on game day. It's not one on the field. It's one in the preparation. It's one with time spent with God Almighty. It's one uh, worshiping him, praising him, getting into his word. That's where the battle was won for David. Scripture tells us that, that it was said of David before anybody even knew him. Nobody really knew who he was, but they said, man, the Lord's with him. They marked him by saying the Lord's with him because he spent time in the pasture. The Lord was with him. And when, when Saul had an evil spirit come on him, he called, they, they called David in because the Lord was with him and he would play his harp, he would worship, and the evil spirit would leave Saul because God was with David. He fought those battles in the pasture. He won in the pasture. And that is how you will win in your life, in the pasture. We don't like that. We want something that's like, man, what do I got to do? What are the three steps to win? And I want to do it today. There's no, no quick fix. We're all about get rich quick, you know, get fit quick. We want to go to the gym once and be ripped up. We want to look like John one time in the gym. We don't like, we don't like the fact that I'm telling you this morning, nah, you win getting up at 7 a.m. seeking the Lord. Getting up at 6 a.m., whatever time it is, seeking the Lord, going after him, getting in the pasture. But we see this all throughout Scripture. I see it in David. I see it in Paul. Anywhere you put Paul, man, you put me on a rooftop, I'll, I'll worship, I'll pray, I'll spend time with the Lord. You put me in the house, I'll worship, I'll spend time with the Lord. You put me in a prison, I'll worship, I'll spend time with the Lord, I'll seek him, I'll go after him. Because he knew how to fight. So much so that when he got to the end of his life, he said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. God is going to look at me and say, well done. He knew how to fight and he knew how to win. And I see this in Jesus. This should be game over in the story. This should be all I have to tell you this morning. Jesus, our Savior, comes to earth. And even before his ministry, he spends 40 days praying and fasting. You think that he put that in the scripture by accident? He put, he spent 40 days with his father preparing for ministry to show us our example. And the Bible says he would withdraw to the lonely places and he would be, go to be alone. He would withdraw to the wilderness. He would be with the crowds and he would go, he would go uh, off by himself. He would go out, he would heal the sick, raise the dead, give blind their sight, cast out demons, and then he would go to be by himself with the Father. We just want this part. We just want to operate out of this. We just want the power. Just give me, just give me that. I, I, want, to be, I want to be in front of the crowd. Mm-mm. Jesus said, it's all about what you do in the pasture. David said, it's all about the pasture. Paul said, it's all about the pasture. What are you doing in the pasture? We don't like that, though. I don't know why. We don't like the pasture, but that is where we fight our battles. And I see this in modern day. I see this in women like Terry Broom. Everybody loves Terry Broom, and we were talking this week. You know, Terry's just a normal person. What you love about Terry Broom is not her personality. What you love about Terry Broom is that she is filled with the Spirit of God. That is what draws you to her. That is what makes her who she is. I told told her earlier, it's not some kind of magic hidden under all that hair. It's the Spirit of God on her life, and she gets that in the pasture. When she gets up and she spits fire and you feel convicted, it's because she spent time in the pasture. She knows God. God speaks through her. God speaks to her so He can speak through her. 
She spends time in his word. When you go to get counseled by Terry Broom, the reason she can look you in the eyes and say, this is what you need to do in your life is because she is filled with the Spirit of God and she has spent so much time in the pasture, she knows the heart of God. And we look at somebody like her, we're like, man, if I can only have that, you can. <laughs> like, you can, you can have that same thing, man. You're not going to be Terry. I'm, I'm not saying there's different giftings. I get all that. But you can have that, man. You can go to the pasture and you can fight that way. That is how you fight your battle. She knows that. She knows how to fight for her family. She knows how to fight for her kids. They love the Lord. She's known all these years how to fight for them. And I see people like Jamie Green, a, a man that I love to death, in here 4.35 in the morning seeking God, going to the Lord, fighting, fighting for his kids, fighting for his son, fighting for his family, fighting for you, fighting for me, fighting for the men's ministry. Just fighting. Every day, every day he wakes up, comes in here, says, I'm going to fight. You think he always feels like it? No. Who, who always feels like getting up at 5 in the morning at 4.30 and coming in here and praying? But he knows how to fight. And I see men like John who you'll see his truck parked out front early in the morning before the sun's up, fighting, fighting for his family, fighting for our students. And he gets up and he speaks to students. And because he knows how to fight, students come down to the altar and they give their life to Christ because he knows how to fight for them. He ain't fighting for him trying to get some kind of polished message and, and three points and go home. He's fighting for him in the quiet places, being by himself with the Lord. And I see men like our pastor who, who I love to death. And one of the greatest things about that man, probably the greatest thing about that man, if I have to be honest, is the fact that every single day he's at this altar fighting for you. He fights for you. He fights for this church. He fights for his family. And we, he gets up here and he speaks and we're like, man, that's amazing. That's God. That's because he knows how to fight for it. He knows how to fight for you. He goes in here and he fights for you and God gives him words and, and, and God speaks to him because he knows how to fight. He's not on Google fighting for a sermon. He's with the Lord in the pasture fighting for what God has to say to you. And we'll, we'll be forever grateful of that. I know I am because he knows how to fight. The last person, I told him earlier, I didn't know he'd be here every service, so it's going to make me hard to get through it. The last person that means the most to me, I think, in, in this situation is, is my dad. And I know I'm biased about my dad because it's my dad, and I love him to death. We have a great relationship. But my whole life, there was this little room at the end of our, our hallway, and I, I say our hallway because I act like that's still my house, my parents' house. I told him I'm not so sure me and my wife and kids aren't going to move back in. <laughs> so I, I still call it our house just in case and um, there's a room at the end of the hallway upstairs and uh, there's a few things in there a computer a chair a few books and stuff but in the corner there's a pillow on the floor it used to be I don't know what's in there now there's a pillow on the floor and right in front of it there's a folded blanket and in the pillow there were two knee prints and in the blanket, there's a forehead print. I'd wake up early. We grew up on a farm with my grandpa. I'd wake up early, sometimes 5.30 or 6 to go work with him. Out the night before, doing God knows what. Not really caring anything about the Lord. I'd go by that room, and there'd be music playing softly. The lamp would be on. I could see it under the door. My dad, I knew then. He's fighting for me. He knew how to fight. And I could feel it even then. 
I knew it. I was so convicted about things and I didn't know why my friends could go out and do whatever they wanted to do and with no regard to anything and I couldn't do it. When I, I wanted to do drugs. I really did. My buddies were screwing everything that walked and I wanted to do that with them. I wanted to go out and all the parties. I wanted to do everything. But, but something inside me was like, you can't. I felt convicted about it. And, and my friends would ask me, why can't you do this stuff? I'm like, I don't know. But deep down I knew it's because my dad was fighting for me. I wasn't even close to the Lord at the time. But I knew he was fighting for me. Because he knew how to fight. He knew how to fight the battle. He knew how to fight in a way that mattered the most. And I will be forever grateful for that. My life would not be the same without it. I'm telling you something. I am 100% convinced without a shadow of a doubt I would not be on this stage this morning if it wasn't for my dad fighting for me. I never will forget. I went to my parents and I said, I said, Mom, Dad, I knew my parents had been praying for me. I went to my parents and said, Mom, Dad, I said, um, I knew they were going to freak out. I was like, I'm dropping out of college. I'm going into ministry. I just sat there. My mom's an educator, got a master's degree. Didn't get mad. My dad was like, was like why aren't y'all mad? We know. We know already because we've been fighting for you, son. We know how to fight. We've been praying for you. God had already told my dad before he told me that I'd go into ministry. knew how to fight for me. My parents knew how to fight for me and I wouldn't be standing here this morning without it. My message for you today, God's message for you today is you need to learn how to fight. I'm not talking about going and reading more self-help books. I'm not talking about listening to motivational speakers. I'm not even talking about listening to more sermons. I'm talking about getting on your face before God Almighty, the true and living God and seeking Him. Seeking Him for your family. Seeking Him for your marriage. You don't win in your marriage at 2 o'clock in the morning when you and your wife are at each other's throats. You win in your marriage at 6 a.m. on your face before God praying for your spouse. Praying for patience. Praying for God. God, let me love her like you do. God, let me love him like you do. God, I know he ain't perfect. I know she ain't perfect, but God, I know you love him. And I know, God, you, marriage is supposed to last forever. God, I, I want to fight for this thing. And you do it on your face before God. You do it getting into His Word. You do it by worshiping. You don't do it at 2 a.m. when you're going at each other. You don't fight for your kids when they're 25 and they've gone off the deep end. You don't go out and scream at them. You don't go out and yell at them. You don't try to beat it out of them. Discipline and I'm all for discipline. I'm all for, 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 for spanking and all that stuff. Man, we, we discipline our kids. But I'm telling you, if you really want to fight for them, you fight for him on your face before God. You fight for it in worship. You fight for him in, in his presence. You fight for him in his word. You spend time with God. That is how you fight for your family. That is how you fight for your purpose. How in the world are you going to know what God has for you if you're not seeking him? Man, we're walking through life blind. Man, Paul, you look at Paul. He would spend time with the Lord, and when he would go out, God would guide him. God would say, not there, Paul. You've got to go over here he knew how to fight you got to learn how to fight we make it so complicated it's so simple seek the Lord the Bible says you will find him when you seek him with your heart you got to learn how to fight I want you to stand with me this morning as we go into worship we're going to say in this place this morning
And I want to challenge you to say before God, this is how I will fight my battles. I will fight my battles in worship. I will fight my battles with praise. I will fight my battles in prayer. I will fight my battles by going into your word. This is how I will fight my battles. And for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will seek him. We will go after him. We will fight. It ain't one of them maybe things. It ain't like, well, you know, if, if I got time in the morning, I'll seek him. You got to make a decision that says, I will fight. This is how I will fight my battles. Come hell or high water, this is the way I fight. No matter what I go through, this is how I fight my battles. And you have that opportunity to say that, declare that before God this morning as we worship. Pray with me this morning.